and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name's Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Crystal Check. How are you going ladies? Well thank you. So we're continuing on with our podcast series on Colossians. We're looking still at chapter 1 of Colossians. Last week we spoke about um, Jesus, who he is, that he's the image of God, the exact representation or manifestation of God, that he is the firstborn over all creation. So not that he was the first to be born, he's not a created being, but is a title of prominence, of preeminence, that he is you know, the heir to all things, he's got that, that priority, um, that he is supreme over all he's not just a, a helper an intermediary between God and man but he has authority and power over all we talked about that he is before all things he is the great I am and in him all things hold together so he's able to sustain all things by the power of his word so how amazing is the God we serve yeah. really mind-blowingly amazing. <laughs> okay so we're going to kick off by starting with Colossians verse 18. Oh, I might just add in that this letter, Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians to oppose the false and heretical teaching that was trying to come into the church. And so part of that heresy was attempting to devalue the, the person and the work of Christ, which is why Paul wrote those amazing verses of highlighting just who Jesus is. And we will continue on with them. So verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Yeah, so here we see that Paul's sitting at what Christ is to the church. And there's four facts um, in relationship of Christ with the church that he points out. And so we're going to look at these. The first one is he's the head of the body. And, you know, we, the church, we are the body of Christ and he, Jesus, is the head. And you know what? If um, your body's dead, right? If your head's dead or your head's not working or your head's not connected. Yeah. You can't chop off your head and then your body still works. So without a head that's functioning or that's being listened to and obeyed, we can do nothing. And so, um, you know, the, the body that's us is a servant of the head. So Jesus guards his church, just like your physical body, your head with your brain would direct everything that happens. Um, and we've got to live and move as he directs. Um, the Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Mm. And so without him, the church can't think the truth, it can't act correctly, it can't decide its direction and, you know, as I said, just with a physical head, it directs your thoughts, your actions, your directions of your body. So Christ does that for us as a church. You know, there are churches that would be acting outside of that, doing yeah. their own thing. Um, but, yeah, we've got to also remember it's a privilege to be the instrument, the body through which he chooses to work. And, you know, um, just as you, if you abuse or misuse or don't look after your physical body, it's going to be unfit for use. You know, it's just going to not work properly. It's exactly the same for the church. If um, undisciplined and careless living, the church can unfit herself to be the instrument of Christ into, um, you know, who's the head. So if we if we yeah. fail to follow the word of God, if we tolerate sin within our midst, we're going to be unfit for the function and the job that he has for us. And, and we see clearly in Revelations where, 
you know, Christ is writing to the different churches and he's giving them warnings, you know, and pointing out things that he's not happy with. So we've got to be yeah. really make sure that we are lying the head to direct. We actually get in our direction and taking it from the head, which is Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should be the one directing our movement. So we should be going to him and asking, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Where are we going? How do you want this to play out? Um, he should be the one at the head at the head and not the church council or mm. you know all those people we put in place in these powers of in this position of power it's it's Jesus first um and he should be commanding us from the front which means that he's leading so we are able to follow him and know that the footsteps are already laid for us yep um because he can see further than we can and um he's leading us into what the Father wants us to do. So that means that then we'll actually be productive in doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, And it's not just as a a corporate thing, as a church, but also individually, we should be going to him first in our personal lives. How do you want me to approach this situation at work? Or how do you want me to bring up my children? How do you want me to deal with them today? Um, You know, all of those things you should be asking it's a constant question. Yeah. Where am I going next? I think as well, um, you know, it's really important that it, you have to be really careful as in your individual life as well and at, corporately as a church that we actually, like you said, Crystal, we ask him and we seek him yeah. and then we act out of that. Often we can get that the opposite way around. We can actually make our own plans, do our own things, maybe not wait and hear, and then we pray afterwards hoping he'll rubber stamp yeah, what we've, we've decided. already decided. So, you know, that's something you've got to constantly be aware of because it's so easy to actually do that without, you know, especially as well in busy life. Yeah. And, you know, we talked before about, you know, going into his presence and stuff. So if you're not making time to do that, then you're not going to be necessarily hearing or taking the time to wait for any major decisions, you know, sometimes we make them first and then ask them to bless it afterwards and just got to make sure we seek him first. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a quote floating around in my head that um, is something along the lines of it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. Yeah. And it's it's that whole worldly thing, you yeah. know. But if you did that in your work situation yeah. and you went ahead and did something... And the boss is like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, we weren't supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> that bridge wasn't supposed to go there. <laughs> yeah. You see where that's coming out of as well as saying like, okay, it's almost, it's justifying the thing of, oh, you know, if you ask, they're going to say no. So don't ask, just go and do it. And then afterwards say sorry. Yeah. Like you say, it's a totally worldly, yeah. wrong, wrong way. Yeah. And it just, it just brought to mind that whole thing. It's like, no, you should be asking first yeah. and moving from that. Yeah. Mm. And often we, deep down, we know the answer might be known, so we don't want to ask. Yeah. So, and, and that will feed into that quite where you just do it and then oh, afterwards, I know. Because we know, like, uh, you know, I know at work as well, often you could operate like that and think, oh, if I ask, they're going to say no, so I won't ask, I'll just do it. I don't do that, but, you know, I can see yeah. how it does happen, yeah. Mm. All right, so Jesus is the beginning of the church. So he's the beginning of the new creation, the original, the active cause. Mm. Yeah, so the Greek word used for beginning here is arche, which means beginning in a double sense. So first it's in terms of time, like one 
two to be or one a but also um first in the sense of the source from which something came the power which, which sets something in operation so he's the beginning he's the first i guess uh, i mean that's that preeminence again isn't it yeah. and he you know um yeah he founded the church he's the head of the church and then it's also he's the beginning he's overall he's that first um, and he's the source of the church's life and being, and it's he who's going to continue to direct our activity. Yeah. What I really, it's really struck me how, man, we can have that pride in ourselves and our own abilities and what we've managed to create for ourselves, and like people can use that as an excuse, like I don't need God. Look how great my life is, but we were. We have no, nothing that we've ever done has come from, like sprung from us. God has given us all our abilities. We can't attain anything for ourselves on our own that did not first have its origin in him. Because we didn't put anything of us together. Yeah. And doesn't it make you want to laugh at atheists or just think like seriously? Like you only breathe and stand here and have got all this garbage to talk because God has given you breath in the first place and life and he's given you freedom to choose mm. yeah and it brings up that whole um, nothing is new under the sun mm. it all has something from before. God you know yeah. God's done something of the sort first <laughs> he created everything yeah. Yeah. you know it just it it's funny how you know people do argue against that it's like well God was the first creator. Yeah, like, yeah. The only creator. Yeah. 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 So, he is the firstborn from among the dead. So, Jesus was the first to rise from the dead with the resurrection body. And he's also the guarantee of the resurrection of all God's retained people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, and that's the difference, isn't it? Because of his resurrection, he's not just a historical figure. Yeah. He lived then and died but he's alive forever and um, we can meet and experience him as well he's that living presence not a dead God yeah yeah. Um, not a dead founder of the church that's why we can um, know that he's continuing to direct because he's you know he's alive and 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 how awesome that we can enter into relationship with him and we can receive help and guidance in our direction and he gives us our vision gives us that constant direction as we wait on him and seek him yeah And there's also just an immense hope that we get to go where he's been and that we get to be next. And that's what he says, hey, I go to prepare a place for you and my father's house and many men. So we get to live, you know, a a much more fuller life here on earth. But then... After we die, we get, (laughs) whoa, you can't even fathom what's going to happen up there. And it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And we have that. But what God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah, and it's, we have that to hold on to here when we're having our, you know, bad times or whatever. We have that, no, Jesus went to prepare somewhere for me to be. And so I need to keep, keep Keep moving and keep, and keep myself 
in focus of that. Yeah, it gives you that, doesn't it? There's that light at the end of the tunnel. It gives you that, as you say, focus to keep going no matter what because yeah. he's there, he's waiting for us. We're going to see him face to face. Yeah. That's exciting for me, seeing him face to face. And then face to feet. Yeah. Fall down in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a promise to us that we will be resurrected. Yes. And it's that affirmation of the truth of God's word. And then it's that final proof Jesus did conquer sin, Satan, death, and the grave. And he is the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah. I think Paul, Paul talks about that somewhere, doesn't he? He says, if this is all we had hope for in this life, you know, if Christ didn't rise again, then how hopeless and how futile is our whole yes. Christianity? Hey? And how empty yeah. would life be? Yeah. Mm. Alright, Jesus has supremacy in everything. Alright, so here, um, what supremacy here, again, is talking about lordship. His resurrection conquered every opposing power. Conquered death, and so there's there's nothing that, you know, can, death is conquered. So there's nothing in death or life that can bind him. Yeah. You know, so... He, and then that scripture that I spoke about before of him disarming the powers um, and principalities, so he's conquered everything. 1 um, Corinthians 15, 55-56 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and again, that Colossians 2, 15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So, you know, he's just supreme in everything. Um, Romans seven twenty four. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, what's the worst thing we could um, think of as death, right? And he has conquered even that. Yeah. It's awesome. I think for me... Um I, I instantly go into like little movie mode yeah. and when, when I read some words. So for me, I thought of Supreme Overlord, you know, like a, like a really <laughs> bad movie role. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but really, he is the highest authority in everything. Yeah. And if we are, he's availing himself for us to go to him. Yeah. Um, we and and you know and we ask and we hear correctly what he's saying for us to do then we have his authority which means we have his power to do what he's asked us to do mm. and if we have that authority and we we do those things then our life will be much more full and productive than if we you know just go to the supreme overlord of yeah <laughs> um and he he's the one who's going to yeah he's the one who's going to lead us when we submit and and move out of his authority Charlie likes to do a fade on. We were watching, watching, um, Charlie was put Charlie, so he can watch it. He asked for it. So we've been watching Star Wars, and he's like, "Where's Darth Vader?" I'm like, I'm not sure you realise he's the bad guy. All right. So Christ has all power in heaven and earth, and he's above all the angels all the powers in heaven, in all the affairs of the kingdom of God among men. He is the he has the preeminence. So he has 
preeminence in the heart of his people above the world and the flesh. Mm. And by giving him that, that preeminence, that priority spot in our lives, we're complying with the Father's will too. Okay, so Jesus is he's the head of the body, he's the beginning of the church, he's the firstborn from among the dead, and he has supremacy over everything. Alright, so let's move on to Colossians 1 verses 19 to 23. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Alright, so we're going to talk about the meaning of this. So first up, verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So this is talking about having the totality of God with all his powers and attributes. That's right. How did you read my notes from over there? Look. (laughs) This is what happens when we get the same study Bible and the same commentary. (laughs) 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 Colossians 2.9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And I mean, you just look at that verse, um, and the very essence of deity was present in totality in Jesus' human body. You just look as we said before, Paul is writing this to to really just refute the Gnostics and their teaching. And I mean, that just that knocks it right out, isn't it? God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So there it's talking, it's showing you that he is God, fully yeah. God and fully human. Yeah. Um, I loved, I, I can't remember where I read it from, but that Jesus was the summation of God's purposes on earth. Mm. And um, he was pleased to have us reconciled to himself through Jesus. Mm. And for such a massive, mind-blowing thing for me was he wanted that to happen. He wanted us back. Yeah. He didn't want us to flounder around on our own. Yeah. He wanted. He wants to be the father to us. Yeah. He wants to, you know, have that relationship. He want he it's you know, everything he's wanted from the beginning and now we get to he gets to experience that with us, but we get to experience it with him. Yeah. That's just And what crazy you said me. before in a, a earlier podcast that he doesn't need us, he wants us and yeah. you know, that's why God created man. It's not you know, the the Trinity is always there, it's not that he's lonely. Yeah. Um but he, he wanted, he chose, you know, yeah. um, and it's his desire to have fellowship. I mean, he came and walked with Adam and Eve every day in the garden. And so, you know, when, when the fall happened and that fellowship was broken, and that's what the whole thing is about, isn't it? It's just bringing us back to him, back to himself and, you know, through that mediator. And for me just then, how crazy is it that he is all-knowing? So he knew before all of this was going to happen yeah. before he even created yeah. Adam and Eve and he, in the world. And he still, and he still did it. Because he loves yeah. us. Because he still did he, it and knowing that Christ would have to go to the cross. And you yeah. know, I often think for the Trinity, you know, they've always been together. Huh? 
Oh, I don't know. I just often say to God, I'm really just sorry, like how much pain mm. at that point yeah. for them to be separated and for him, the father, to have to turn his face away from Jesus at that point that Jesus on the cross said, yeah. why have you forsaken me? Although he would know he had, but you know, how, oh, how terrible that must have been yeah. for them at that point, how heartbreaking, and yet they still chose to do that for us. Well, you think about how hard it is to be away from a loved one. Yeah. For us. Yeah. You know, um, my parents don't live in Australia. They live in New Zealand. So for me, that's hard. Yeah. But to actually have to turn fully away and just to cut cut it off. Yeah. That would just be absolutely heartbreaking. One of your kids being hurt like that and then they call you know they they're calling out for you yeah. and you have to ignore it must it and that's the depth of his love hey yeah yeah all right so in verses 19 and 20 paul talks about some great truths about the work of christ um so just to read them again it says for god was pleased to have his all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Okay, so the object of his coming was reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we talk about what reconciliation means first, it's that it's a healing, it's a closing of a breach or a gap, and in this case it's specifically closing of that gap between God and man that came in at the fall when Adam and Eve sinned. And, you know, it's important that we know it was God who was the initiator of the reconciliation, not even man. I mean, Adam and Eve tried it hard and whatever. And, you know, God um, was the initiator. The Bible doesn't talk about God being reconciled to man, but man being reconciled to God. Yeah. Um, And it's an interesting point here that I've got... um, Okay, so to reconcile to himself all things does not mean, yeah, this is the interesting point, to reconcile to himself all things does not mean that Christ by his death has saved all people. Okay, only believers are saved, there is a hell. But where it says that, you know, it's to reconcile to himself all things, it means that opportunity is there. Yeah. But, it, you know, some people could misquote that and just, oh, well, that's fine, I'm, I'm good, whatever, just Jesus died, saved me. You have to actually actively accept that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, and as I said, God began that whole process of salvation, of reconciliation, and that was his whole object, objective in sending Jesus into the world was to reconcile us back to him. Yeah. Um, but, but we certainly... Um, as I say, need to he's pre- 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 presented that opportunity, but we have to acknowledge that that gap exists, acknowledge our sin, and that we need a saviour. Yeah. And you know that was what um, I found with, with me that took me probably longer than I should have to come to salvation. You know, I'd grown up in the church and heard about God and stuff, but it was only when I really came to the point of realising, you know, because I sort of considered myself a fairly good person and I hadn't really done anything wrong. Um, and, and it was just one day that it really hit me that what I was actually saying was, I don't need a saviour. Yeah. I can actually get to heaven on my own. I'm good enough. And that was my point of conviction and realising that, you know, even though I hadn't maybe done what I considered to be big, massive sins or whatever, that I was still just thinking, you know, I'm good enough to get there myself. And that, that was the conviction for me that, you know, yeah. I do need a saviour. I am a sinner. Yeah. 
Um, well, when when I first read this um, this little bit, um, I went to the Oxford Dictionary, and it says um, that number one, it's the restoration of friendly relations. Mm. So, in order for friendly relations, there has to be a two way street, right? Mm. You can't just oh yeah, I'm a friend of that guy, but you've never met that person before. Um, And then number two, it's the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. Um, So for me, it brought out some memories of um, outwardly mocking God and some friends who were trying to share him with me. Um, I was the controller of my life, and I would do and be and say whatever I wanted. Um, No one was going to control me. Um, it, and it was a dark and lonely place and um, for a long time I was living out of that um, when my dad went through his chemo it seemed things couldn't get any worse and then living with the man I was with was getting more and more I was getting more and more desolate my view my outward view was getting more and more just you know c- cutting shutting me down and 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 I just had nothing um and I turned to so many things to try and fill the void and, you know, looking into other religions and scoffed at the possibility of there being more to life. Mm-hmm. And um, then when I met Barry, who is now my husband, at a time when I was fully laid bare, I had nothing else to hope for. I had no one else to, to pull me out of anything. Um, I was lost and I was craving something more and to the point where I couldn't um you know I couldn't get out of bed sometimes or you know it was really desolate place and um when my dad was put on the neighbor's prayer circle um he'll tell you that it was the drugs that healed him but I really think it was the prayer circle Mm. because that was the biggest thing that he'd ever done is is accept help from a, a god person yep. um um and it was like god confirming that he was there for me yeah. um and that he cared about us he 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 cared about um what was happening in my life yeah. and then as a final sort of test um i asked god to help me quit smoking and um it was like it felt like it was literally an overnight thing where one day I was a you know nearly pack a day smoker to the next day where I couldn't stomach them I would take a puff and I would literally like nearly vomit just from the smell and the taste um and it was a massive thing for me because uh you know I'd lived around smokers forever yeah and for all of a sudden for me not to want yeah these things it's like okay wow it's huge you just chuckle because it could and it was in the moments in the quiet alone times with god that he really revealed himself and um he was the one who cared for me most yeah. and it didn't matter what was going on in my life it didn't matter who was going through what he was always going to care for me most mm-hmm. and um even though I had done so many wrong things and I had outwardly mocked him, I had been the soul, I had been, you know, the person who was pointing at people and laughing because they believed in this stuff, um, 
but he still wanted me back. Yeah. He still was willing to do anything he could to help me understand that he loved me most. Yeah. And I had done nothing to deserve it. Mm. I had done completely the opposite of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was for my indiscretions, my sin, and then I was broken. And it was one of those things like, it, it's like this massive revelation, but your brain can't quite handle it. And you just go into like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. You know, how can I say thank you enough? And there's no words. Yes. And just how grateful I am and how, you know, amazed I am. And it's it's taken a process now where where I can fathom it a little bit, but still not quite. Um, And, but yeah, I'm grateful beyond any words that there are in the English language or any other. Yeah. That he has fully reconciled, like fully reconciled me to himself, not just a part of me or a, you know, it's all of me, even the dirty stained bits he cleansed. And you see what you, you know, what we're hearing out of you is is that's an encounter with Jesus, a personal relationship. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, it's really important for everyone listening that you get to that place where you don't just know about God, but you actually know him personally for yourself. Yeah. That's what you're hearing with Crystal, yeah. And that's that reconciliation of yeah. friendly relations, yeah. you know. It's walking in the garden with God yeah, again, yeah. It's that one-on-one. free conversation yeah. that, you know. Face-to-face, one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. Mm. My story is the opposite to you, Crystal, that I grew up in the church. I grew up hearing about this great God, and I thought he was pretty cool. I liked him, but I didn't get how he related to me. <laughs> yeah. No revelation of yeah. that. Um, and then I went to this Bible study camp and I realised that this perfect God, who I thought was amazing, had died on the cross. Like, Jesus died on the cross for me um, and he made a way for me to be brought into his family and that he loved me enough to go through all that pain and he would have done it if it was just me. Yep. Like, that was my point of, you know, because, like, it's easy. If you grow up in the church, you can... Feel yourself thinking that you're saved because mm, yeah. you haven't really done anything bad. You sing the songs, you know how to pray, you read your Bible. Yeah. But if you don't have that personal revelation, that point of repentance, like I am a sinner yep. and you saved me, yep. and like that's yeah, exactly. My and and I think that's well, not I think I know that's the difference between Christianity and all these false religions. That amazing mighty Almighty God came down to us. Yeah. With yeah. other religions, you've got to strive to try and get, get to the level. Yeah. But he came down to us. It's just like, well. Yeah. Yeah. Lena, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm remembering. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to wrap that podcast up right now. So we're talking about amazing work, Christ's amazing work of reconciling us to God. We're going to speak more about the, the work of Christ and you know his, his blood and shed on the cross, what that means for us next podcast. But we'll leave it there for today. Um, Carolyn, did you want to add anything? No? Okay. Just, yes. um, yeah, no, no, just as Lena had said before, just get into the word for yourself. There's just no substitute. I mean, it's great that you're listening. That's great, but don't let that be all you're doing as well. You need to get into the word for yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and just remember as well, this amazing almighty God is the sustainer of everything. He can sustain you as well through whatever you're going through. 
Um, and so although he's a huge God and everything is subject to him and under him and he's supreme, he's also personal as well. Thank you. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website www.life-house.net and you'll hear us next podcast. All right, see you. The important thing, those words, in him. Mm. So it's only in him that that happens. Now, I looked at that scripture, in him all things hold together, looking at just all of the laws, Mm. gravity, um, all the laws by which the universe holds together, and not just going spinning crazy, aren't all of the scientific laws. They're not only scientific, but they're divine as well, you know. Um, And science will always prove God anyway, because God is the author of it all. And so Jesus is not only the creator of the world, you know, that Paul's um, said before, you know, he's created, he's stressing that, but he's also the sustainer. He's just mm. holding it all in place. You think of how, you know, we honor this ball that's spinning in space and, you know, just how everything is held together. And that's, that's what he's done just by the power of his word. And how just a slight movement off track can yeah. ruin everything. Yeah. I love Hebrews 1, the first part of um, verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's like, how amazing that God's word is so Mm. powerful. It's the word that just holds it all. And and it was just his word that spoke all into being. Yeah. Yeah. I love at school when the kids, um, like we've been doing, we're doing information reports and we're studying sea animals. And, um, you know, we, you know, there's something amazing, obviously God's creation is amazing, but, you know, often like, you know, we were doing sea turtles um, last week and, and it's like these turtles go back to the beach where they were born to lay their eggs. Yeah. And the kids are like, how do they know, like, where to go? Because then they go out to sea and they just stay out for 10 to 15 years. How do they know? And I love just because the age they're at, they just, you know, accept. And I'm just saying because that is how amazing God is, how amazing he created and made the stuff that God put that in them, that they just know. And I love, though, that they don't argue with me or whatever. They just accept it. Whenever I get the opportunity to do that or to say that kind of thing, I just, you know, try and sow that and say, and it's just because God made it like that because, you know, his creation is so amazing. Well, he's amazing, not the creation, but... You know, yeah. Yeah. Alright. Is there anything else to add? No. Okay, so we've looked at that Jesus holds all things together. So yeah, I do have something to add. Oh, well, <laughs> go on then. <laughs> just just, just want to encourage people, um, no matter what you're going through, if it feels like your personal world is falling apart, spinning apart, just remember that he sustains everything. Yeah. And just go to him and he can sustain all of that for you as well. Mm.
Good. Sorry for interrupting. I just thought that was mm-hmm. good. I just want to encourage people with that. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. If he can sustain the world that's spinning in this vast universe and whatever, he can surely sustain you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good, Caroline. Alright, that's all from us this week. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, www.life-house.net and we'll be talking more about Colossians Chapter 1 next podcast. Hope to see you then.